Well, good morning. It is a privilege to come to you today, uh, again from my kitchen, and uh, it's uh, it's uh, at least I get to come to you. And, but it's Easter Sunday, and let me just say God bless you. We appreciate you joining us today on uh, for this live stream or this uh, if you're looking at this afterwards. Let me just say God bless you for looking at this and viewing our video. And I trust you'll stay with me the whole time today, as we're going to be yes talking about the resurrection of Jesus. But I want to make it a more personal message if I can today and. And uh, I wanted to look at, I wanted to, I want to ask the question, what does the resurrection mean for you and me? What does it mean personally for you and me? What, what, what can we take out of this, out of the resurrection of Jesus? But again, this morning it is Easter and I know we're not getting to meet together as a church family and, and many people are, are having to shelter in place and stay home as a result of the situation we're in right now with this uh, coronavirus, but folks, uh, God can still meet with us and God can take care of us during this time. And, and uh, you know, again, we appreciate you being with us and I do pray that the Lord will just bless you in this time. Again, we are gonna do this until this situation is over. Uh, we'll be coming to you Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if everything works right. It'll be a live stream Sunday morning at 11, Wednesday, uh, Sunday night at six and Wednesday night at six. In fact, I'll be back tonight with part two of the message I did last Sunday night and, um, and uh, be looking at some things there, and I want to make it an encouragement if we can. But uh, but again, uh, we'll be doing this until we uh, are able to meet together again. And I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to that day. I miss being able to meet with our church family. I really do. And so I do miss that. I miss the music, and I miss the specials, and I miss the people looking at each other, and and miss uh, all of it. And so, but. Uh, one day we'll get to be together again, and that's that is great. Now, uh, before we get into the message, we want to pray this morning. We want to ask the Lord to bless us today, and and um, I know there are several folks that are still going through things, and so we need to pray for one another. Uh, pray for those that are sick with this virus. Pray for those that have other conditions going on. Also, pray for an end to the virus. One of the things that I want us to all pray for is that God will either give us a cure for this thing or a vaccine or something, or he'll take it away immediately. And I wish you'd pray today that he would just take this away and, and, uh, and just, and uh, heal, heal our country and world. And uh, also I want you to pray that God will use this to touch hearts and uh, that people will look to the Lord in this time. I want you to pray for that. Also today, pray for our first responders and those that are uh, in the medical field, pray that the Lord would bless them. Many of them working crazy hours and many of them right on the front lines. I want you to pray that the Lord will bless them and their safety. Uh, again, all those that are sick, pray for the leaders of our country and our city and our states. Um, pray for all those leaders and pray that the Lord will just touch them and help them to get along together and help them to work together. This doesn't need to be a time of politics. This doesn't need to be a time of, of uh, gaining ground on somebody. If you don't look at it that way, it needs to be a time where people work together and come together for the benefit of others. And so pray for those and pray that the Lord give them wisdom. Uh, pray for the lost, that they would be saved. And also I put another one down here and uh, pray for protection. Why? Because there are those that are trying to take advantage of others during this time. And I want you to pray that the Lord will just bless them, uh, bless people and keep them safe. And, and those that are trying to take advantage of others, I pray that the Lord would hinder them and stop them. Um, it's all the way from people that are trying to steal money from people, people that are robbing businesses at this time that are closed. It's even, and, and I hate to say this, politicians trying to use this for their advantage. 
And uh, that's wicked all the way across. All this is wicked. We need to be concerned about others right now. And and I want you to pray that the Lord will stop all the shenanigans going on where people are trying to steal from others and take advantage of this. And uh, pray that the Lord will just intervene. Please pray that God will intervene and touch folks, many people in need today. And But on this Easter Sunday, I pray that the Lord will give encouragement and hope to people today. Well, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to bless. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come through video to folks and Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would just work. I pray the Holy Spirit would move. And now, Father, I pray today for healing for this virus, for this situation. I pray that we would see a great miracle on this thing. Just go away. Father, please take it away. Heal our country. Heal our land. Heal the world. Take it away. I beg you. And Father, I pray that you touch our political leaders, give them wisdom, help them to get along and work together. Father, I pray you touch the leaders of our city, our our county, our country, our state. I pray that you touch them all. Father, help them to do the right thing and help people uh, today. Just protect them, Father. Protect those that are sick. Heal them. Touch the ones that are responding to this. Touch people that are maybe lonely today and feeling down. And Father, those that are struggling at this time. I know all of us go through up and down times. And Father, I pray that you would just touch people. Father, for for uh, those that are trying to take advantage of others, stop them. And Father, I just pray you protect people today. Watch over them. Father, help us to realize how great you are. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, again, God bless you. Appreciate you being with us this morning. And I do pray the Lord will bless you. And uh, this morning, I've got two passages of scripture I want to share with you. And uh, the first one's going to be in Luke chapter 23. And we're going to read from Luke 23 and go into chapter 24. We're going to be reading there. And so, and then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, let me encourage you to open it with me. Or if you don't have your Bible, you have your iPad, you can look there or your iPhone or your or your other uh, type phone, whatever kind of phone you have. I know some people may have whatever and uh, whatever type of smartphone. And uh, But uh, look there if you've got a Bible on there. If you don't, download a Bible app and a good one and, um, and uh, be careful. But uh, get a Bible app where you can follow along and read with us. We're going to be picking up in Luke chapter 23 this morning. And uh, again, uh, I want to ask the question, what, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean for you and me? I want to make it real personal today. And uh, I want to try to encourage you. I want to try to help you today if I can, uh, because this is Easter. This is the time we celebrate the resurrection. And so uh, I want you to look down with, with me in Luke chapter 23, verses 50 and following. We're going to pick up in verse 50. Uh, and uh, for those of you that may not know me, uh, let me just tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to read and comment a little bit. I like to do that. I like to explain some things as we go through the passage. And then we'll get into the message is what we'll do. And so we're going to look at a few things here. And there's a few things I think need to be understood and a few things I want to bring out if I can. And then if you stay with me all the way through, I believe we'll give you something that can help you. I believe that. And I hope we will. I hope we will today. But um, up to verse 50 in Luke chapter 23, uh, the preceding verses before verse 50 tell us about the death of Jesus Christ and the events surrounding his death. And that's what we have there. And then you come down to verse 50, and that's where we're going to pick up reading Luke 23 and verse 50. And this is what he says. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented uh, to the counsel indeed of them. 
He was of Arimathea, of city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. Now here we are introduced to a man that is known in the Bible as Joseph of Arimathea, Joseph of Arimathea. Now we know just a few things about him. We don't know a lot, but we know a few things. Uh, number one, he's a member of the Sanhedrin, a member of the Sanhedrin. That was a Jewish ruling council that day. Another thing we know is that he was opposed. Think about that. He was opposed to the Sanhedrin's decision about Jesus. He was opposed to it. He did not go along with them. Number three, the third thing we know about G, uh, Joseph is that he was a believer in Jesus. That's the thought. The thought is that here was a man who was a believer in Jesus. He was a member of the, the Sanhedrin. But the idea possibly is that he was a secret believer. He didn't let it out. He was kind of like Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. And I get the idea that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea were friends. And I'll tell you why about that in just a moment. But here we see that Joseph of Arimathea is going to go to Pilate and beg the body of Jesus. He is going to bury the body of Jesus in his own personal tomb and that he had prepared for himself, And but he is going to give it to Jesus. And we're going to see that here. Look at verse 52. And notice what the Bible says there. Verse 52, this man went into Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. There you have it. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never a man before was laid. Now he goes to Pilate, he begs the body of Jesus. Then he goes back to the cross and, I, and, and notice it says, and he took it down. He took Jesus off the cross. And then he took it and buried Jesus in his tomb. In his sepulcher, the Bible says. Now, according to John chapter 19 and verse 39, Nicodemus helped him bury Jesus. Nicodemus went along and helped him do that. Look at verse 54 now. And that day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew on. Now, there's some, there's some debate among people about what day that was. But as I understand it, let me just explain. The day that this happened, the day he took Jesus off the cross and buried him was known as preparation day or as the day of preparation. Now, what is preparation day or the day of preparation? That is the day before the Sabbath. That is the day before the Sabbath. Now, the idea was that is the day they prepared everything so that they would not have to do any work on the Sabbath. It was called preparation day. So if you were going to eat on the Sabbath day, you prepared all your food the day before. If you were going to have a fire on the on the preparate on, on the Sabbath, you would cut your wood and prepare it the day before. You wouldn't do any work on the Sabbath. Everything had to be prepared for beforehand. And so that took place the day before. Now remember, the Sabbath is Saturday. It's not Sunday. I know a lot of people think, well, Sunday's the Sabbath. No, Sunday is the first day of the week. The Sabbath is the seventh day or Saturday, the day which God rested, the day that was made holy to the Jews and uh, to the nation of Israel. And so the Sabbath is Saturday. So the day before preparation day would make that what day? Friday would make it Friday. And then notice the Bible says they put him in a sepulcher. Now, what is a sepulcher? A sepulcher. I'll get it out in a minute. It's a burial place. It is a tomb. It is a grave cut out of stone or cut out of a uh, it's kind of like, you know, out of the side of a hill possibly or something like that or or out of rock or something. But that's what it is. Now, let's look about look down to verse 54. Verse 54. And that day was the preparation of the Sabbath drew on. Verse 55. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after and behold the sepulcher and how his body was laid. Now, notice there were women that followed. They noted where the sepulcher was. They noted where the grave was. They noted where Jesus was put. That is very important. 
Verse 56, and they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. Now, the idea here is they went, they were going to get spices and ointments to put on the body that was typical in that day and age. And, you know, to help prepare the body of Jesus or, or at the burial, that was something they did. So they went back, got that prepared, rested the Sabbath day. Now, chapter 24 and verse one, chapter 24 and verse one. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Now, there again, first day of the week. Friday was preparation day. Saturday was the Sabbath. And then Sunday was the first day of the week. They come to the tomb. Look at verse two. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. In other words, the stone that Joseph had rolled in front of the door, that had rolled in front of the opening of the tomb. When the ladies got there, when the women got there, they found that the stone was rolled away. Verse three. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Now they go in the tomb. They enter into the tomb. They go in and guess who's not there. Jesus isn't there. Verse four, and it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Two men. You know what that is? That's angelic messengers. They're there. They're wondering what in the world is going on. Have you ever been at that place? Well, they were at that place right there. They're coming to anoint the body of Jesus to, to make sure everything is right with burial. They they And by the way, that was evidence that he was dead, you know, and so they come, they go in, no body. And next thing you know, two angelic messengers are standing there. Notice what happened. Verse five. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why seek you the living among the dead? Now the angels talked to them. They said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Think about that. Look at verse six. He is not here, but is risen. There it is. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. The third day rise again. So there it is. Luke's account of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if I can. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to read just four verses there. 1 Corinthians 15. And I want to read the first four verses of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, students of the Bible have called the resurrection chapter of the Bible. Why? It deals with the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the believer. That's what it deals with. Look here now, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now, he presents the gospel. He said, you remember the gospel that I shared with you. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And what he's going to do here, he's going to define very specifically what the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel is. Look at verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, that's where we're going to stop right at the moment. Here's, here, here's, here's where I want to go today, if I can. Today is Easter. Uh, I, I don't think we have to be told that. Yes, this is a unique Easter, is it not? We're not gathered together. We don't have egg hunt today. We don't have, in fact, here in Nashville this morning, I can look outside and I can see the rain. I heard thunder earlier, so it's have storms this afternoon. And it's going to be kind of a unique Easter, but the fact also that we don't get to meet together. But still, it's Easter, folks. It's Easter. Now, again, Easter specifically today is the Sunday that is specifically set aside to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe everybody knows that. 
If you don't, yeah, I just I just shared it with you. It's the it's the day we celebrate the resurrection, folks. And, and I'll be honest, I think it's great that we have one time a year like this when we do celebrate the resurrection, when it is a big, big, big deal. I think it's great that we do that. Now, but let me also remind you. Let me remind you of this. We celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. You say, what do you mean by that? The fact that we meet on Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection. Why? Because the reason believers meet together as a church on Sunday is because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. That's why we meet together. We don't follow the Sabbath. That was a covenant between God and Israel. But we meet on Sunday because Jesus rose from the dead. So every time you meet together on Sunday with your church or with our church family, you know what you're doing? You're celebrating the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And it's a statement of that belief, a statement of that belief. Now, I ended my Bible reading here this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And that's where I want to draw your attention for a little bit, if I can. 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, again, 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter of the Bible. Now, I didn't read the whole chapter. Let me encourage you to go back later and read the entire chapter. It'd be great for you to read the entire chapter. It is a great chapter full of great truth. You're going to find many truths there, especially surrounding the resurrection of Jesus and surrounding the resurrection of the believer, the child of God. Now, as you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you can see several things there. There are several things that jump out. Number one, you can see the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. You can see the truth of the resurrection. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Scott? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection is presented as truth, as truth. You say, what do you mean? It's presented as a fact. And folks, I want to tell you, I believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead and that it is a fact of history. In fact, I believe it's the greatest fact of history that there ever has been. The resurrection, the fact of history is presented as truth. You see here the truth of the resurrection. Number two, the second thing you see here is proof of the resurrection, proof of the resurrection. You see what you say, what do you mean by that? Well, in verses five to eight, he lists proof for the resurrection of Jesus. And the proof he gives is eyewitness testimony. You say, what's that? What, what I mean by that is Jesus appeared to people after he died, was buried, and rose again. And people saw him alive. Eyewitness testimony. It's kind of like right now, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illustrate this. I'm going to wave at you. Now, if you saw me wave, you're an eyewitness that I waved on this video, okay? So, hi, how you doing? See? Now, you can actually say, Brother Scott waved at us or waved into the camera or waved, you know. You are a witness that I actually did that. Well, that's what they have there. Eyewitness testimony that people saw Jesus alive. And there are other evidences for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But here you have eyewitness testimony. You have the proof of the resurrection. Again, in this chapter, we find a the proclamation of the resurrection. You know, Paul talks about here in 1 Corinthians 15 how he proclaimed the gospel and how the gospel is the good news about how Jesus died for sinners, how he was buried, but he rose again the third day so that you and I could have life according to the scriptures. What, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that in the early church and after Jesus rose from the dead, they went everywhere telling everybody that Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, it was central to their preaching and teaching, central to it. And then also in this chapter, not only do you have the truth of the resurrection, the proof of the resurrection, the proclamation of the resurrection, you see the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This chapter tells us why the resurrection is so important, why it's so important. You say, well, how important is it? Well, I, I just put this down. I put, you know, the gospel rests on the resurrection. You can see that in verses one through four. 
Our salvation rests upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our salvation, you can see that in verse 2 and verse 17. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are still in our sins and we have no hope. Number three, our faith rests upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 17. Think about it, folks. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there would be no Christian faith. And, And you take away the resurrection, there is no Christianity. Our faith is built upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then number four, I put down our future hope is based upon the resurrection or rest upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can see it there in verse 17, 18, and 19, our future hope. I got news for you. I have hope for the future. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Now, all this is important, and we see how important the resurrection is and how this passage shows us how important it is, and we see these things here. But more than just give you these truths this morning, here's where I want to go very quickly, very quickly. I want you to look at it personally. Think about what does it mean for you and me? What does it mean for us? Let's make it a little bit more personal this morning. I want you to think with me this morning, what does the resurrection of Jesus mean for you and I personally? What does it mean? When you think about Jesus rising from the dead, the fact that he actually rose from the dead, he died on the cross of Calvary, they buried him in a tomb, But on the third day, think about that, the third day, he came back to life and walked out of that tomb. Walked out of the tomb. Think about it for a minute. What does that mean for you and I personally? Think about that. Well, I put down some things. When I think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I put down some things. Number one, you know what that means? Number one, that means we can trust our Bible. Think about that for a minute. Now, I know somebody's going to say, "What? Are you, wait, whoa, wait, wait, where, where are you going by that? with that? Well, that means you and I can trust our Bible. I have a Bible here. I, I preach from a Bible. I believe the Bible, and, and I believe it from cover to cover. You know, we're from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. I believe everything in there. I believe the Bible. But when I think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I think about how Jesus rose from the dead, that gives me faith that I can trust my Bible, that it is true and that it is accurate and I can follow it and base my life upon it. You say, how can you, where do you get that from? Well, think of it this way. The Bible tells us that Jesus rose from the dead, does it not? You have a resurrection account in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have Acts, they preach the resurrection. You have 1 Corinthians where he talks about the resurrection here. We have predictions about the resurrection throughout Scripture. We have evidence for the resurrection given in Scripture. Now, I want you to think about this. If Jesus never rose from the dead, that means the Bible is not true. Think about that for a minute. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, that means the Bible is not true and that is not trustworthy. My friend, Jesus rose from the dead. So you know what that tells me? I can trust my Bible. It shows me that you and I can trust the Bible, the word of God. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, Peter says that we have a more sure word of prophecy, talking about the scriptures and how God gave the scriptures to us through inspiration, how God moved upon men so that what they wrote was and is the word of God. My friends, what you and I have here is a book that God guided men to write that you and I can trust in and put our faith in and have confidence in. So when I think about the resurrection of Jesus, it tells me that I can trust my Bible. And folks, you and I, because of Jesus' resurrection of the dead, that means you and I can trust the Bible. Let me give you a second thing this morning. What does it mean for us personally, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What does it mean for us personally? Well, second thing it means is that Jesus is really the Son of God. Think about that for a minute. 
What that means is that Jesus is really the Son of God. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, I read these words, and declare to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Think about that for a minute. And declared the Son of God. You know what the resurrection does? It proves that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was who he said he was and is who he says he is. You know, a lot of people through the years have claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God. I know several years ago, the world watched as a guy in Waco, Texas named David Koresh claimed to be the Messiah and built a compound and did all this stuff. My friends, there are people all over who will claim to be the Messiah, claim to be the Son of God. I understand there's a guy overseas right now that claims to be the Son of God, claims to be uh, the Messiah. But folks, let me tell you something. Jesus proved that he was and is the Son of God in three ways. Number one, by his miracles, John 10, 38. He said, if you don't believe me, believe the works that I do, the miracles that I'm doing. He proved it by the miracles. Number two, he proved it by his prophecy about his resurrection. Jesus said, you kill me on the third day, I'm going to rise again. All the way through, third day, he will rise. Third day, he will rise. I, uh, I've been trying to uh, transition to a new Bible. My my other Bible, I, I was telling somebody the other night and I don't have it here today. I thought about using it today, but I've got it taped on the back and then retaped on the back, then retaped on the back. Then I've got it inside the cover. I've got it taped. And then inside a few other pages, I have it taped. And then inside the front, I've got it taped and everything like that. But anyhow, I was trying to uh, transition to a new Bible. And one of the Bibles I'm, I'm looking at transitioning to is it has a reference thing in the center. And I started following all the references out, all the references about the resurrection of Jesus on the third day. And I kept reading third day, third day, third day, third day, that Jesus made all these prophecies about his resurrection, how he would raise from the dead on the third day. And then you know what he did? He rose from the dead on the third day. His prophecies prove he was true. But then the fact that he actually got up and walked out of that grave, he walked out of that grave. You know what that grave means? That grave means that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the King that's going to come back one of these days. Folks, that proves who Jesus is. The resurrection tells me that my faith in Jesus is right, that he is the Son of God, and he is the only Savior for the world. Boy, how exciting is that? How exciting is that? Oh, I've got to hurry. Let me give you the third one. So number one, the resurrection tells me I can trust my Bible. It tells us that you and I can trust our Bible. It tells us that Jesus is really the Son of God. And then the resurrection, are you ready for this one? Here we go. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that we can be certain of our salvation. We can be certain of our salvation. I know everybody's talking today about the hope that the resurrection brings. And yes, it does bring hope. But I also want you to think about something here. I want you to think about something, you know, when we talk about hope, we talk about a belief and that we have about something that will happen in the future. It's our hope. It's what we see as the future holds for us and things like that. But, you know, when I come down to salvation, it's more than just hope. It's a certainty. It's a certainty. I was thinking about preaching a while back on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I didn't do it. I didn't preach from there, and but as I was studying it, one of the words I put down, one of the points I was going to put down is the hope of our salvation. But as I got to reading the passage, I've got to tell you here in 2 Corinthians 5, I, it, it used a different word than hope. You say, what do you mean by that? And it's important that you and I follow the scriptures. And, and he talks about what happens upon the death of a believer, a death of a child of God. 
Now, I know somebody said, well, wait a minute, Brother Scott, this is Resurrection Sunday. We shouldn't be talking about death. Well, Jesus died and then was buried. Then he rose. And because of that, you and I have that hope that one of these days we'll have life. But here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he doesn't use the word hope. He uses the word no. 2 Corinthians 5, 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon our house, which is from heaven. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about our new body, our new body. But he's also talking about this. He's talking about if we pass from this life, we have a new life that we're going to have one of these days. St. Corinthians uh, verse 6 in the same passage, he says, Therefore we are always competent, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we, not, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8, we are competent, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What's he talking about? He's talking about the certainty of our salvation. Yes, we have hope. But folks, you and I can be certain that one of these days when this life ends, the next breath we'll take will be in heaven with the Lord. You and I can be certain of that. That's what he's talking about here. The certain we have that if we're absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. You know, and, and, and my faith tells me that when I take my last breath here, my next breath will be, will be um, taken in heaven. You know, I tell my wife often, uh, and she says, write this down, write this down. And I've, I've never written it down and I probably ought to write it down, but I told her the songs I want at my funeral. And, and I, by the way, I hope I don't have to have a funeral. I hope the rapture takes place. And, and, uh, but, but if I do have a funeral and I hope, I hope my wife and, and children will, will honor my request. And, uh, there's two specific songs I want. One of them is be still my soul. And I love that old hymn, be still my soul. The Lord is on thy side. And I want that for the people that are listening. But I also want a, a, a song of faith there. And I want the song Finally Home th- sung. You say, why? Because he starts talking about just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of touching a hand and finding it God's, of breathing new air and finding it celestial, of waking up in glory and finally home. My friend, thank God because of the resurrection we can be sure of our salvation and of that future heavenly home. Then let me give you the fourth thing this morning. Number four, the resurrection of Jesus shows us the power of God. It shows us the power of God. Think about that for a minute. What does it mean for you and I personally? It shows you and I the power that God has. Romans 1 talks about how Jesus was raised with power, power, the power of God. Think about that. The power to raise the dead. The power to raise the dead. Man today has power to do all kinds of things. You know, we have the power to kill, but we don't have the power to raise the dead, do we? Only God has that power, does he not? Only God does. And think about that. The amazing power of God to raise somebody from the dead. And while Jesus was on earth, by the way, he raised several from the dead, did he not? Only God can do that. But think with me, the power of God. And think about the power that God has. And folks, the point I was wanting to think is, I I was thinking about right here is if God has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, what kind of power does God have that he can do some great things in your life and mine? Folks, God is an amazing God and we have power available to you and I. The question is, how do we avail ourselves of that power? How do we tap into that power source that God has, that power of God, so that we can make it through life and so that we can go through the circumstances and the heartaches and the tragedies of life? How can we tap into that power? 
You know how we do it? By faith and prayer. Faith and prayer. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Mark eleven twenty two, where Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. The next, the next verse talks about if you have faith to believe, you know, you can say to this mountain, get up and move, and it'll get up and move. And, and then he comes down and say, whenever you pray, believe that you will receive. My friend, the way you and I tap the power of God is by faith in God and through prayer, by faith and prayer. Many of you may know of George Mueller of Bristol years ago who started orphanages uh, in, in England. And uh, it is said that George Mueller never made an appeal for money. He never made an appeal for offerings, but he prayed the money in and during his lifetime supported 10,000 orphans through faith and prayer. My friends, think about the power of God and what God can do in our lives. And you know what the resurrection does? It shows us that power. And then last this morning, last, what does the resurrection show us? The resurrection shows us the necessity of the new birth, the necessity of the new birth. Now you say, what do you mean by that? It shows us that it's necessary for you and I to be born again. It's necessary for you and I to be born again. Think about that for a minute. We need to be born again. Why do we need to be saved? Born again and saved are two terms that mean the same thing, my friend. We talk about born again. That's one aspect of salvation. You know, the new birth, being regenerated, being born from above. And then we talk about being saved, how Jesus rescued us from, the, from sin and from the punishment of sin. Well, what I want you to understand is because of the resurrection, that shows us that you and I need Jesus as our Savior, and He is the only Savior that, that, that can save you and take you to heaven. That's it. There is nobody else. Somebody says, well, I don't believe in Jesus. Well, my friend, that's fine. You don't have to believe in Jesus. But understand, that means you have to stand before God to be judged. And you know who the judge is going to be that you're going to stand before? It's Jesus. In John chapter 5, verse 22, he states, he hath committed all judgment to the Son. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, he tells us that we need to repent. Why? Acts 17 and verse 30, listen to these words here. He says, in the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. Did you get that? See, the resurrection of Jesus shows us that we need to be born again. It shows us that we need Jesus as our Savior. My friend, God loved you and me so much. You say, how do you know that? John 3.16 says it. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He so loved the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friend, God loved you so much and loved me so much. And let me tell you, I'm not worthy of God's love. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You know, I am so faulty, it's not funny. But thank God he loved me enough to send Jesus to the cross of Calvary to die for me and to die for you. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. And at Christmas, we celebrate his birth, but he sent Jesus down, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life on this earth, went to the cross of Calvary where he gave his life. One of the things I've been reading this week is about the death of Jesus and about when he died and I was reading about how Jesus gave up the ghost 
In other words, he dismissed his spirit. He died voluntarily. Why? Because of you and me. They took him off that cross, put him in that tomb as we read a while ago. But on the third day, he rose so that you and I could have eternal life. So that you and I could be justified, declared righteous, pardoned, forgiven of our sins. Jesus died on that cross so that you and I wouldn't have to perish and face God's judge, which is Jesus Christ. And the only way that you're going to miss that judgment is by accepting Jesus. My friend, God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And my friend, if you're willing to repent and by faith accept him as your savior, believing in him, he will save you. It's as easy as ABC. You acknowledge your need, number one, A, acknowledge your need, that you need Jesus. You can't save yourself. You stand as a sinner who, who needs a savior, who will stand before the judgment of God one day unless you accept Jesus and realize he's the only savior you need. You got to acknowledge that. Number two, you got to believe on Jesus. Believe he loved you. He died for you, was buried, rose again, that he is the son of God who died and was buried and rose for you. And then number three, you need to call out to him with a repentant heart. My friend, do you know Jesus? He will save you today. He will save you today. My friend, why don't you make Jesus your savior? Right there where you're at, you can pray and say, Father, I know I've sinned against you. Forgive me. And the best I know how I take Jesus as my Savior right now. Won't you pray that prayer today and make Jesus your Savior? Make Jesus your Savior. It's a one-time event. It's not something you do over and over again. But my friend, do you know Jesus? Think about it. Because of what the resurrection means. Because Jesus rose from the dead, that means you and I can trust our Bible. Because Jesus rose from the dead, that means it. It proves he is really the son of God. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we can be certain that we have a heavenly home. Salvation is true. We can, Because Jesus rose from the dead, that shows us God's power that is available to you and I. And because Jesus rose from the dead, that means we need to be born again. We need Jesus as our Savior. My friend, do you know him? Do you know him? Child of God, take hope. We have a living Savior a resurrected Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Father, I pray that you just bless each one who hears this message. Father, if somebody that's lost, I pray they'd make Jesus their Savior. Father, if they're a child of God that needs encouragement today, let them take encouragement of the fact that Jesus rose. We can trust the Bible. He is the Son of God. There is power. You're a powerful God that our salvation is certain. And Father, I just pray that you bless them Father, those that are ill this morning, I pray for healing. Those that are discouraged, I know all of us are going through up and down times. Father, I just pray that you would hinder Satan. I pray the Spirit of God would move. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I trust you will have a wonderful Easter and that you remember what it's about. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>